want to experience seasons, you have to travel. You know that, right? Because if you live here, you get confused by the seasons. You may hear weather reports and start thinking it's an imaginary world where there are things like snow or autumn where leaves change. We have fire season, flood season. We have our seasons, but they're a little different. And last year, for the first time in a long time, we took some time and we went up to Colorado to experience some winter. And we had such a great time experiencing a few days of snow. And the wonderful thing about a few days of snow is that it's a few days. <laughs> and you can go and experience what they have to go through all year long, but we get a few days of it and we get to come home back to L.A. and remember why we live here. But we went back to snow this year, and, and one of the things I made sure we did was that we went on the sleigh ride. And, and I knew that everyone did not want to go on the sleigh ride, but, but I, I, I knew that my wife, Kim, really loved the sleigh ride. And so I sent a note to everyone, which means our kids and extended kids, and said, everyone's going on a sleigh ride. No one is opting out, and you're going to love it. And you will celebrate it, and you'll talk about how awesome it is during the entire sleigh ride. Because a part of what happens is that you're in freezing cold atmosphere, and it's night, so there's no sun. And you're going on a sleigh, so there's wind involved. And it just gets colder and colder and colder. And if it snows on you, it's beautiful, but now you're wet. So as, as we're on the sleigh ride, it was beautiful. We, we went through different sections, and, and I wouldn't really know what to look at because it's night and there's no lights, and there's just snow and trees, and I've seen trees, and I've seen snow, and, 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 and so I don't really see the signs of life anywhere. And, and our driver, is, he's driving us along with his horses, speaking a language I do not understand, but the horses do. He, he starts pointing out, paw prints and said, those are mountain lions. He goes, now those are older mountain lion tracks. He goes, oh, look, they're fresh mountain lion tracks, which was not that exciting. And I thought, oh, how fresh. And, and, he, and, he, and I said, now look, look, look at the size difference. Those are large mountain lions. Those are the mountain lion cubs. And it was almost as if he could see it all happening. And he said, now look at the distance between the paws. That's a mountain lion running, jumping. And I'm trying to pay attention which direction the paws are going. Are they going away from us or toward us? And, and, and then we just kept slaying along the way. And then he said, oh, and he starts pointing out different trees. And he said, do you see those markings in the trees? I said, yes. He said, those are bear claws. That's where bears come and sharpen their claws. Thought, That's wonderful. We're near a bear claw refinery, and, and, and it's wide open in space. And, and he explains other things that I can't really remember about how bark is like aspirin. And so the animals come over here and chew on this bark, and it works like aspirin for them. And I, I'm back to the claw thing, okay, and, and the paw thing. And I realize that, that this person who does this all the time, who takes this journey on a regular basis, he has the ability to see the signs of life everywhere. I wonder how many of us would, would travel through that particular path and never see the signs anywhere, never really know that there was life happening all around them. And I started wondering how many times in our own lives as we travel through life, have we missed the signs of life all around us? And there may be some of you here who are thinking to yourself, 
I, I like Christmas and I love the, the idea of Christmas, but there's no proof of God. There's no evidence of God. There are no signs of God. And maybe you've even prayed a prayer like, God, if you're out there, give me a sign. And I, I wonder how many of us will live our lives never seeing the signs and being convinced that there are no signs of life anywhere, no signs of God, no signs that actually point the way to finding the life we've longed for. And, but have you ever noticed that in retrospect, when you look back on things, you see the signs. Hey, have you ever made a really horrible decision and you act as if you just couldn't know? But everyone in your life knew. In fact, I had a conversation like that today. Someone came up to me and they came and told me that the decision they had made about a particular professional choice they had to make, that they made, even though I told them it wasn't a really good decision to make because I made that decision and it didn't go well, but they made it anyway. And they came today and they wanted empathy because they made the wrong choice. I said, but I couldn't know. I said, you couldn't know, because I told you. But I'm not gonna tell you I told you, because you already know I told you. I'm just gonna look at you with that look. The signs were there, but you didn't pay attention to the signs. See, I think so many times in life, we make decisions and we act as if we could not know, but when we look back, we see the signs everywhere that told us, don't make this choice. Don't choose this particular path. And I think we'll find that even when it comes to God, we may look through our lives wondering where are the signs of God? And then we'll look back on our lives and we'll see the signs everywhere. See, I don't want you to get to the end of your life and then see the signs for the first time. In Isaiah chapter seven, just one verse 14, there's this, this beautiful declaration that came generations before Jesus ever came. And those who heard it could not have connected it instantly to the Jesus who was to come. They, they, they probably tried to, to, to make it fit into the world in which they're in, but the sign that, that was being alluded to had not yet appeared. In Isaiah 7, verse 14, it says, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and will call him Emmanuel. I think it's really important how this declaration starts. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. It tells us that God is the initiator. See, there, there's this intersection that's waiting to happen between you and God. But I think a lot of times the way we tell ourselves the story is that we're the ones searching for God and looking for God and initiating to try to connect to God. And God is sort of elusive. You, you ever try to get that date? You know, the girl who acts like she wants to go out with you until she knows you want to go out with her. And then she's so elusive. You're like, no, because she's still elusive. See, have you ever played hard to get? And I think it's so interesting because for a lot of guys, they're really interested in a girl until the girl's interested in them. And then the moment she's interested in them, you're not interested anymore. Because something clicks in your mind that says, well, if she's interested in me, she can't be that gay. <laughs> See, I think a lot of us treat God that way. We, we treat God as if he's the elusive date. The one who, who wants us to want them, but never really wants to connect. But I want you to hear that it, it's this declaration that, that God is the one who's actually initiating the relationship. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. See, it's a terrible thing if you spend your entire life looking for a sign from God, but there are no signs from God. 
See, it'd be a horrible thing if, if you were searching for God and all the signs were really signs left by someone else, but not God at all. But God wants you to know that he's the one who's leaving us signs that would point to him so we could find our way to him. And this moment that, that Isaiah talks about, about the coming of Jesus into the world, is this promise that God is going to give us a sign that will be like a beacon in the middle of the night. So that if you're searching for God, if you're searching for meaning, if you're trying to find hope, if you're trying to find purpose, if you're trying to find love and acceptance and value, that sign will be declaring that there's someone who's searching for you. Because the God who created you is the one who's leaving the signs along the way, but you don't want to miss them. You don't want to live your life thinking that, that this thing that so oftentimes identifies itself with God called religion is the sign God left. See, I, I meet so many people who, who once had a, a semblance of faith and they said, no, but I, I'm running from that. See, you may be here and you think you're running from God because you had experiences that were connected to people who were identified with God. And so you concluded, if this is what God is like, I don't want to have anything to do with God. And so you're running as hard as you can away from God, but I want you to realize you're running from the very things God would be running from too. And you're not running from God, you're running to God because someone forged his name on a religion using his name and he wants you to find the authentic thing. And sometimes you have to run away from the thing you thought was what you wanted until you realize it wasn't what you were searching for. There are a lot of signs that send us in the wrong directions. Have you ever been in one of those parking lots that every sign says exit? <laughs> Drives me crazy. I, I, I followed exit signs and sometimes I just go in circles. There's no way out of here. Because all those exit signs assume that you're going in a certain direction. And that you know which one of the exit signs actually leads you down to the right next exit sign, which leads you to the next exit sign, which leads you to the next exit sign so that eventually you can get out. See, I think a lot of us feel like God is like that. He's left all these elusive, obscure, unknowable signals. And how in the world are we ever supposed to find him? And he says, I want you to be really clear. I'm going to leave a sign in the middle of human history so that when you get confused and you feel alone and when you are finally desperate enough to look for me and search for me, there'll be a sign of life waiting for you. And therefore, the Lord himself will leave a sign. What kind of sign does God leave except himself? The question is, do you see the signs? I, I can look back over my life, and, and one of the curious things about when, when you have an intersection with God, when you finally come to know him, it, it, it does this reverse thing. It, it, you remember the movie Memento, where everything goes backwards and you, he has no memory of his life and so he has to tattoo everything onto himself so he can remember what happened. And see, I think a lot of us, we live our lives with almost no memory of where God has shown up time and time and time again. Yeah. We just don't seem to remember. Because God has been all over your life. You just may not know it. He's been showing up over and over again. You just may not see it. And worse than that, some of you knew that God showed up in your life. And you actually acknowledged it. And then you forgot. You forgot that God was there. You have this short-term memory issue. 
where you asked God to show up and he did and then you forgot. And you may end up looking back over your life and going, how could I miss the fingerprints of God all over my life? Do you see the signs? And, and I think one of the tricky things about this is that, is that every single human being, even though we're on a journey and you may be on a journey with me in following Jesus, all of our journeys are different. It's kind of a strange thing how we can all be traveling together and also walking our own unique path. And sometimes we just want someone else to tell us what we're supposed to do. Have you ever just wanted to tap out? Just, just tell me what I should do with my life. You know what drives me crazy? I don't know if this is a millennial thing. But when, when cell phones came into existence, we forgot each other's numbers. See, we used to, I know this is some of you don't even remember this, but there was a time where we actually knew each other's phone numbers. I don't know anyone's phone number. I don't even know Kim's phone number. I don't know Mariah's phone number. I don't know Aaron's phone number. I barely know mine. I, I, I've come to realize that if I lost my phone and I was lost somewhere in the world, I could not call anyone. The other day, I forgot my phone. I was going to a meeting. And I thought, oh, I just need to call Kim or call Aaron and ask them to come get me. Of course, I couldn't call them because they didn't have my phone, which was point A. But then I thought, I could borrow someone's phone. I, 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 I look trustworthy. I could just go up to someone and say, could I borrow your phone for a minute? And, and then I, I had this flashback moment. I just need to find a pay phone. <laughs> that was just a really bad moment for me. And I realized, oh, wow. I would need to not just travel a mile, but 40 years back in time and to find a payphone. And, and I thought, well, I, I, some of these people recognize me. I could just ask them. But right before I asked someone if I could borrow their phone, I, I had this realization. I don't know anyone's number. There's no one in the world I can call. But if that's not bad enough, once Google Maps came into existence, once Waze came into existence, it seems there's an entire generation that does not know how to find their way. Now, how is it possible that you could live in L.A. all of your life and still not know how to get somewhere? And, 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 and I, I'm driving with, with, with people on my team, and they're looking at their phone. They're trying, do I go left or do I go right? I'm going, go right. You see, there's the road. Yeah, but yeah, but I'm trying to figure out which way to go. Look, there's, there are cars to the left. There's an opening to the right. Look up. And I've realized that we have an entire generation that's growing up without any confidence in what you see. You have more confidence in what some artificial intelligence is telling you about which direction you should go. And then you apply that to your own spiritual journey. I think most of us hope that we can show up to a place like this and I can be ways for you. I can be your Google map and tell you this is what you need to do. This is the direction you need to go. What I got to tell you is that that's not the way God works. You need to get your head up, look out, and see the signs of where you're supposed to go. Do you see the signs? Because once you see them, you need to ask yourself, where are the signs calling me? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. Now, you've heard that so many times, those of you who grew up 
in this faith. That it may just sound common to you, ordinary. You should never read that statement, and the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and act as if it's normal. Especially on anyone who does not believe because they'll think you've lost your mind. Oh, yeah, of course. See, I, I, I think it's so interesting how, how people who've grown up in, in a faith with Jesus, they just think it makes perfect sense. Yeah, of course there was a virgin birth. And you wonder why people who do not believe think you're out of your mind. Because I don't know if you know this, but that doesn't really happen. It's not like every 40 births, there's a virgin birth or something like that. There, there's no biological anomaly. Well, yeah, there's an explanation here. And see, this happened once. And then you're supposed to cross this line of faith and believe it happened once. Because there's a reason why it didn't happen any other time. Because virgin births do not happen. No matter how hard you try to convince someone. <laughs> See, whenever I would have to counsel young girls when they were 14, 15 years old and they were pregnant, and they'd always say to me, I don't know how this happened. <laughs> See, I think you do. I think you were there. <laughs> and I think you know. <laughs> when it says a virgin will conceive and give birth to a son... This is a, an anomaly in human history. But by the way, God is always giving birth to something new. See, this isn't inconsistent with the way God works, but there's this interesting tension here because you, you, you know how the story plays out, that Jesus is born in this barn, in this manger. He's born in, in poverty. He's born in obscurity. He's born with the most common and mundane of ingredients around him, and and you would not think that would be the way God would choose to be born, but maybe it's because the contrast is necessary. See, because if Jesus was born with all this hype and, and, and all this glamour and, and all this glitz, maybe we would have missed the extraordinary nature of a virgin birth. You ever notice that the most beautiful people in the world really do not need makeup? No, you're actually most beautiful when you are just yourself. I think what God does is he just removed all the makeup from the birth of Jesus. No glamour, no glitz, no pizzazz, no spectacular. But there was a virgin birth because God can do in the mundane what we would call the miraculous. And this became the sign. And, and what struck me as so odd is that Jesus was born in this moment in time and the rest of the world was completely unaware of it. I, I, don't, I don't understand that. I mean, you, ever, you ever been around a sports fan? They, they act as if their team winning a championship has changed history. Right? Laker fans, it's just like LeBron has come. It's changed the world, right? Clipper fans, Kawhi is here. The world has now changed. But what's really odd is every year there's a championship and then... It's just back to the next year and a different champion or the Patriots again and again and again and again. And, but you know what's odd? More people were aware that the Patriots won the Super Bowl, that the Raptors won the NBA championship than were aware that God had stepped into human history. 
I mean, don't you think that's kind of odd? More people are aware of the most mundane moments in our culture. More people are aware of what the Kardashians are doing than that God was born of a virgin and stepped into human history. How do you explain that? I started thinking to myself, what? It's, it's not just people in Persia weren't aware and, and people in Europe or the tribes who were migrating from Asia to North America to the South and Central America. They were unaware that Jesus was born. They were unaware that God had stepped into human history. It, it's, it's even the people in, in Israel who were unaware. And even the people in Bethlehem who were unaware. In fact, there was probably a pub just a few feet over from the manger where they were like drinking and, and talking and wondering when the Messiah was going to come. And some are probably like, nah, that's just a fable. It's just a myth. It's never going to happen. In fact, I, I just imagine there's just, there was somebody just a few feet away from where God was entering human history saying there is no God. There's just, there's just no proof of God. There are no signs of God. Is it possible that he's so close to God and so unaware that he's present? And maybe that's you. See, maybe you're the person who is so close to what God is doing in the world and so unaware of it. Because once you see the signs, you need to pay attention. Where, where are the signs pointing? And are you stepping into the direction where God is calling you? I wish I could say that if I had been born in that moment, I would be there. But I can look at my life and know there have been so many moments where, where I should have been somewhere else if I had paid more careful attention to what God was doing. Yesterday, I think it was yesterday, I went to the Grove. It was tragic. If you don't know what the Grove is, I don't know what to say about you. And, uh, but but I, I went to the Grove to do some Christmas shopping and I asked him if she wanted to go. She goes, I'm not going to the Grove on Saturday. And I thought, I'll go. She goes, you know what it's like? I do. But are, 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 are any of you like me? You're slow, right? You just don't learn fast, and so you have to go back and repeat the same mistake over and over again. And so I, I got in the car, and I, I drove to the Grove. And, and I should have known, because when I saw all the police out near the Grove, that was a sign, go home. That was like God said, go back, go back. Don't do this. You'll regret this for the rest of your life. And, and, but I, I didn't because I was determined. And, and, and so I, I, I went in. And have you ever gotten in a long line of cars and thought to yourself, oh, no. <laughs> and then you think, oh, I, 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 I can back out. But then a car gets right behind you. And now you're stuck. You're stuck. You're like Legoed in. And I'm realizing, I can't, I, I, I'm in the Borg. I, 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 I'm stuck. I, I, I have only forward to go. And, and so I, I went through into the parking lot. And, and, and there was another sign, full, 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 full. And I'm going up and up and up and up. And with each one, it was, I could almost just like hear God saying, don't do it. Exit, exit, exit. Go out, go out. But I didn't because I, I was, I was hard-hearted and I just wouldn't listen. And and then I finally parked on the sixth floor and then I entered the mass of humanity and so much anger around Christmas, so, so much pain. And, uh, and, and I went down the six flights of the escalator and I went to a store and tried to shop and, and, and I, I did meet a couple of people who go to Mosaic and they came and said hello, which is wonderful. And, and uh, they were working there so they had reason to be there. And, and, 
And I finally gave up and, and defeated. I, I, I went up the escalator and up. And I, and I, you ever just watch people? There was this dad, this little girl. She might have been three, the cute little dress. I think it was pink. And he was holding her hand, and she looked so happy. It was just changing my whole outlook on the grove. And, and, and it was so cute to watch them as they were going up the escalators together. And, and, and then they went in one direction, and so I turned to go up the escalator, and I heard my name. And, and, I, and I said, somebody called me. Yes. <laughs> and, and, and I realized it was that, that man. And, and he said, hey, um, can I interrupt you just for a minute? I said, sure. And he said, I, I've been going to Mosaic since you were in the nightclub. And I want you to know that Mosaic has changed my life. And then he said, I'm a single dad. This is my little girl. And I met her, and she's so sweet. And he said, um, I want you to know that Mosaic has made me a better man, and that's why she's mine. That's why I'm a single dad. It's changed my life. And it's changed her life. And I talked to him for a minute and said Merry Christmas, and then I get up my last escalator, and I was trying to move as fast as I could so that I wouldn't ugly cry in the parking lot. And I just felt overwhelmed. I just started crying as I started going to the car. And all these people were getting out of their cars, walking to Grove. And I was all emotional. And they thought, oh, we shouldn't go. We shouldn't go. It's that bad. And because you ever have those days you think, oh, God, is this really worth it? It's so hard. It's so much work, and there's so much criticism, and there's just so much pain, and it's just endless. And then you have a moment where you meet someone who says, I'm a different human being because of this community. And I thought, that's why we do this. See, that was my sign, and, the, and, and it was a sign pointing me in a certain direction. It was a great reminder that, that we're supposed to be in the middle of broken, hurting people who would never find a way unless we put the signs down and became the signs ourselves and pointed the way to hope and forgiveness and freedom and healing. And that little girl's going to grow up in our, in our mosaic kids, and, and she, all she's ever going to know is how much God loves her, how valuable she is, and how good her dad is to her. When Jesus came, it was because God was making a declaration to the world because he did not want us to miss the path to hope. And, of course, it says, and his name will be called Emmanuel, which I think is so beautiful. God has so many names. It's amazing how many names Jesus has. And if you read through, you go, wow, one more name, one more name. It's almost as if Jesus was a Latino because, like, <laughs> being like white people, you're very efficient with names. You, you know, it's like Joe Smith. He's not white. He's black. But, you, you, like, bro, you, you got the whitest name in the world, I'm just going to say, you know. And, and, and his middle name is Keith. I mean, how more efficient? Joe Keith Smith, all one syllable. I mean, it's like, why waste a second syllable? Is it, is it really Joseph? Okay, a two-syllable, all right? That's so good, but you, but you had to reduce that because, you, you know, you don't want to overspeak. And, but Latinos, man, yeah, my birth certificate, my name is like a paragraph. I have so many names, so many last names. Like, every relative gets thrown in there. Just in case you need an extra one. It's like Cardona, Sandoval, Mesa, Paspinto. And it's like, and it's like, on and on and on. And it's like, 
You can pick a name. It's like Jesus. He has so many names. And part of it is that no one name can give you the full texture of who God is. But what the name they give Jesus here is his name will be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. Which is incredibly beautiful. See, the sign that God was trying to point us to that God is here with us. But more than that, he's for us. It's so important. You ever been in love with someone, but they love someone else? It's not satisfying. Right? It's just not. It, it, it doesn't, like, almost work. Right? Because, you see, when you love someone, for that love to have the kinetic energy that love is supposed to have, that love has to be reciprocal. And if you love someone, but they love someone else, you're not like, oh, but they're so in love. That just makes me so happy. It's not like that. You're like, yo, I'm over here. See, when it says that God is love, that's a beautiful thing to know. But if God is love and he doesn't love you, it's not that helpful. God is love, but he just loves sunsets. It's not really going to change our lives. God is love, but he loves the complexity of the universe. God loves math. Humans, he tolerates. See, I think a lot of us act that way about God, but I want you to realize that God is love. It's not just that God is love. It's that God loves you. And he's not just present. He wants to be present with you. He wants you to know him intimately. And his name will be called Emmanuel. What is God named through you? See, is God, does he just have an impersonal name? if it were to define your relationship with him? What would someone name God if they only knew God through your experience? Would they say, oh no, his name is Emmanuel. God is with him. God is with him. I was just at a Christmas party a couple days ago in Hollywood and went to this amazing house and lots of people took David Arcos with me. We had a good time there, and I was just sort of standing off a little bit in the corner. First, I took him to the top of a treehouse so we could escape and look at the people, but not be among them. And uh, then we took a deep breath. David's very social. He, he meets everybody. Everybody likes David. I need David. <laughs> David is my seeing eye human who took me through the complexity of a Christmas party. And but I remember standing in a corner when David left me talking to other people, talking to strangers as he does. And, and this couple came up to me and this woman goes, we just want to talk to you because you have like this incredible energy. Kim's like, I hate that word. I hate that word. But it's the word people without God use to try to describe that there's something happening in you that they don't understand. See, I, I want us to be the name of God. So when people step into our presence, they don't even realize you're stepping into his presence. So that when we interact with people, we love them and we're compassionate and kind when we're forgiving, when we're gentle, when we're patient, people experience the presence of God in us. Because when you are identified with God, you are signing his name with your life. 
And people will decide to either run to God because of you or run from God. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call his name Emmanuel, which I am reminded that God is always doing something in the world. So do you see the signs? Where are the signs pointing you? And are you moving where God is going? See, I don't, I don't know why you're here right now, but I hope you're here because you followed the signs that led you to where Jesus wanted you to be in this moment. And I don't know where you're going from this place, but I hope your life will be filled with signs that point you in the direction of God, that constantly move you to where you see Jesus moving. And sometimes you'll see Jesus moving because someone needs you to love them. Sometimes you'll see Jesus moving because you need to serve someone and they'll experience the presence of Jesus through your sacrifice. Sometimes you just need to show up because sometimes God just wants to show up in someone's life. You know, sometimes you just need to bring hope because everyone's depressed and full of despair and cynical. Have you ever found yourself joining everyone else's cynicism? Have you found yourself joining everyone else's depression and despair? I just saw Star Wars. I just couldn't admit it. I went, and I'm just going to say this even if I lose all my credibility. I liked it. Okay, I know there are a lot of haters or anything like that, but, but, but I had some friends over at the house, and one of them is one of those purists. You know what I'm talking about? They're purists. They know everything about every Star Wars episode that has ever, ever been filmed. They know everything about all the ones that were not filmed. And, and, and he came up and said, I saw Star Wars today. I said, so did I. He goes, what did you think? I said, I loved it. I said, what? It was terrible. And he just went on and on about what was wrong with Star Wars and how it didn't integrate the storage right, how it didn't pull it together right, how it was not consistent and true to the characters. And I said, that's okay. I had to hold on. And I could feel the full weight and fury of his perspective trying to suck me under. I almost did it. Yeah, it wasn't very good. Have you ever done that? You ever done that? You just, you, just, you just crumble underneath the weight of someone else's opinion. I, just, I almost did it. Yeah, it was trash. It was like, oh. I mean, I, I, when, you know, when I said I loved it, what I meant is I wanted to love it. And so before I went to bed, I sent him a text. I loved Star Wars. And you think it's hard to love Star Wars. Try loving God. Try deciding that your life will be a reflection of Jesus in an environment where people will desperately try to tell you, what are you thinking? How can you possibly believe? How can you possibly surrender your life to Jesus? And you're going to have to face the weight of that pressure. You can say, well, all I know is that um, he has changed my life. He's given me hope. All I know is I found the healing I desperately needed. All I know is that when I should be depressed, somehow there's joy that emerges out of the core of my soul. And I see life and it's more beautiful now.
See, when you're in the presence of God, everything becomes more beautiful. Colors become brighter. Aromas become more rich and full. Every meal becomes more valuable. Every breath becomes sacred. Because when God is present, you're alive. And God will send a sign to you. Because a virgin is going to give birth to a son. And his name will be called Emmanuel. Because he always created you for a relationship with him. That was always his intention. That was always why you were created. So you could live in his love. So you could revel in it. So every breath would be filled with his love. So that not only your lungs, but every cell in your body could be filled with hope. So that when you tried to be silent, you tried to keep it quiet, you couldn't because your soul was just declaring that Jesus was the sign that led you to life. So 2,000 years ago, they drove a cross into the ground. And Jesus of Nazareth gave his life for you and for me. He allowed himself to be killed so that we could live. And that cross became a sign. It's still a sign 2,000 years later. And they buried him in a tomb, a borrowed tomb. And on the third day, they went just to take care of his body out of respect. And, and he was gone. And so that empty tomb became a sign that points to life. If you'll pay attention, You'll see the signs of life everywhere. Oh, and by the way, we looked up on those slaves and we saw stars everywhere. Did you know there are stars up there? I mean, if you were born in LA and you've been here all your life, you don't know this. You may have heard or read about it or studied about it in books, but you don't know it. Because you see, you live in a space and an atmosphere that has been polluted so that you cannot see the beauty and brilliance of what God has created in the universe. But if you could just clear it away, I'm telling you, there's beauty to behold up there. Some of you, you've allowed your souls to get clouded and polluted and you cannot see the signs of life, the signs of God. But if you'll just take a moment right now, you'll see that Jesus has always been pointing the way to life for you. Would you just bow your heads with me just for a moment? Just close your eyes. Listen, listen, listen to your soul. Pay attention to the signs. Pay attention to what God is trying to say to you. You may be here right now. And today is the day you're going to cross the line of faith and put your life in the hands of Jesus. This is your moment. You see the signs. You know where they're telling you to go. You see where Jesus is and you're ready to follow him. I want to lead you in a simple prayer where you can put your life in Jesus' hands. And Jesus will come to dwell within you. 
and you will belong to him from this moment to all of eternity. Just one sentence. If you're here and you're ready to cross the line of faith, would you pray with me right now? Jesus, I give you my life. That's it. Just tell him right now. Jesus, I give you my life. It's not complicated because it's all about relationship. Right now, just tell him, Jesus, I give you my life. Jesus, I give you my life. If this is your prayer, I want to pray for you right now. I want this to be a marker in your life. I want this to be a sign in your life. If you just pray, Jesus, I give you my life. If you just chose to cross the line of faith and put your life in Jesus' hands, I want you right now just to hold your hand up high. And I want to see you because I want to pray for you. Right now, find the courage to do it. Don't worry about anybody else. This is between you and God right now. Right now, just hold it up high. Jesus, I give you my life. Anyone else right now? Beautiful. Beautiful. Anyone else? Jesus, I give you my life. Wonderful. Anyone else? Jesus, I give you my life. Anyone else? Wonderful. So good. Father, I thank you for the women and the men who in this moment have chosen to cross the line of faith put their lives in your hands. God, I pray that right now you would just wrap them up in your love and let them know they belong to you, that you will never leave them or abandon them. And maybe, God, where they were unaware of the signs all around them, I pray, God, you give them the eyes to see the signs of your presence everywhere. They wake up tomorrow and just see all of these signs pointing in the direction of hope of joy, of love, of faith, of hope. That you, Jesus, would be the sign of life for them. We thank you, Father. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we just thank God for those who just responded to him right now? So good. So good. So I want to give you a challenge. Start paying attention. Start paying attention to those little moments where God just shows up in your life. Don't ignore them. When someone brings someone, when God brings someone into your life and you see a need that you can meet, just take it as a sign from God. When you see there's something good you can do in the world, just take it as a sign. Just start practicing, seeing the signs of living the life you're created to live. And by the way, as you get better and better at this, it doesn't necessarily get easier because it requires more courage and more courage and more courage because it's almost like God is really kind and warms you up and at first it's just small signs and then as you grow in your faith God goes okay I'm going to give you some bigger signs and then you're going to realize oh wow God's ready to do something huge in my life but I need to have the faith and the courage and the resolve and the determination to step into it but if you're like me I don't want to miss a single sign because I want to step into the life that God has for me fully, completely, whatever it costs me. Let's all stand together and celebrate together. Thank you so much for joining us on the Mosaic Podcast. I want to encourage you to take the message you've just received, allow it to go deeply into your soul, to allow Jesus to do the deep work that only he can do. 
And I also want to encourage you to be a part of what we're doing here at Mosaic, to go to the Mosaic app and to become a part of the Mosaic Foundation, to become a regular giver and investor in bringing this message across the world. I want to thank you so much for being here with us. God bless you.